Okay, this is the last Bible study of the summer. Last one. Uh, next one, next two weeks after this, there won't be anything. And then we will come back after Labor Day with a communion service. And so the next time we meet Tuesday will be for communion in one, two, three weeks from today after Labor Day. All right? If I have the calendar right in my head, which I hardly ever do, but I think that's right. No, that when we get back right after Labor Day, that Tuesday, yes. Okay? So that'll be when we come back for communion. So we're three weeks out from there. <coughs> and uh, and so this is, finishes up the summer. It's hard to believe summer gets done so quickly. But it does. And that winter lasts a long time. <laughs> it sure does. All right, we've been studying a little short study about women of the Bible. And... Uh, we started with Rahab, and we picked a pretty good uh, array here. She was a sinner. Rahab the harlot was a sinner that came to God, and repented, came to God. And that was a good example. And then we had the Queen of Sheba, a person of prominence who uh, was hungry, thirsty for uh, knowledge and wisdom. And she came searching Solomon out for wisdom about God. And last week we did that one called Jacobed. Everybody knows who that is now. And she was a mom, famous for being a mom to Moses and Marion and those three leaders became prominent leaders. And so we've had a nice wide range. Uh, ladies who taken a wrong turn and turned right. Uh, ladies who were prominent, hungry for knowledge and wisdom. And then a lady who did her job raising children and raised three beauties. Did a beautiful job in the most difficult of all circumstances. Now we go to the last one in the series. Another one that you know all about, I'm sure, uh, Priscilla. Priscilla. Everybody knows Priscilla, right? Yeah, everybody shall know. Oh, yeah, I know who that is, Priscilla. <laughs> Priscilla, uh, was the name Priscilla uh, meant royal blood, the name that they used to say Someone's got royal blood. Uh, we don't know if that is true or not. It's what the name means. Uh, that would be a Gentile name. She was a Gentile, not a Jew. And uh, we're going to meet her in the Bible. And here is, I guess, probably other than Mary, the mother of Jesus, uh, in the New Testament, the most prominent <coughs> woman would be Priscilla. And uh, there's something we want to say about her before we start. Look at Proverbs chapter 17. Proverbs chapter 17. 
Proverbs chapter 17. In verse number 17, a friend loveth at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. And so uh, here's a lady who had the quality of being a friend. Loves always. That's part of being a friendship. Uh, chapter 18, just the next page over in Proverbs, verse 24. A man that hath friends must show himself friendly. And there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. There's a, one of the Proverbs that there is a friend. You will find friends in this world that are closer to you than family. We always think, uh, they always say, right, blood is thicker than water. <laughs> you heard that one. But in Proverbs he says, There's, there are people whose friendship is so loyal and true that it's closer than a blood relative. And so here's another thing about friends. They stick close. You can count on them. Always count on them. They love you always. They stick close. And then over in John 15 is the great passage on friendship that Jesus said. John chapter 15 and verse number 13. Greater love hath no man than this, and a man lay down his life for his friends. I stand up for you, and if I had to, I'd die for you. And Jesus said, that's the greatest love, to die for your friend. That's how he said he would measure the most complete love. Verse 14, you are my friends. If you do whatsoever I command you, henceforth I call you not servants. For a servant know not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends. For in all things I heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. So Jesus, here's the measure of friendship. You die for your friend. And he said, I called you a friend. In other words, he's going to die for us. And that's the best friend you and I ever met. And Priscilla is famous for being a friend. And she's the friend of the Apostle Paul. Right? Apostle Paul, uh, she's a close friend of Paul. And that's where she shows up in the Bible. So we're going to trace her life and see what she did and uh, how she went about it. We're going to start in Acts chapter 18. Acts chapter 18. She's going to appear here and there and everywhere throughout the New Testament. Acts chapter 18 is her uh, story and the beginning of it. <coughs> Paul is working his way across uh, Asia Minor, telling the story of Jesus for the first time. He's, he's coming across and talking about Jesus as the first one to take the message over across into Europe. And he has a vision, a night vision, a dream night vision, and he sees a man from Macedonia saying, please, come and help us. And we call it the Macedonian call. And so uh, he heads 
over for the first time over into uh, Greece, crossing from Asia Minor uh, into over into Greece. And he begins to preach his way through Greece. And we find something I think that's kind of interesting uh, in chapter, if we just turn back to, to uh, uh, chapter 17, where does he go? Well, first, his first stop coming across into Greece is Philippi. And in Philippi, as he's coming into town for the first time, he's the only one who knows much about God. Uh, he runs into a lady named Lydia who's running a prayer meeting. And so his first substantial contact is Lydia, a woman. All right. Chapter 17, verse 1, when they passed through Amphilius and Apollonica, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul, as his manner was, went into them, three Sabbaths reasoned with them out of the scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must need have suffered and risen from the dead, that this Jesus whom I preach to you is Christ. So he finds where the Jews are gathered. These are Jews who are Jews, not Christians. They don't believe in Jesus. He goes to their meeting in their synagogue and he preaches about Jesus. Verse 4, some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Silas of the devout Greeks, a great multitude, and of the chief women, not a few. And he marks again that he's, he starts in Philippi, starts with a woman, Lydia. Goes to the next city, Thessalonica, the chief women join in. And so we see uh, as he's working his way through, it's a woman all the time. Women, women, women all the time. And uh, there are people who want to downplay uh, the work of women. Foolish thing to do because Paul worked his way across from one lady to the next to the next. And now he's going to the next town of chapter 18. After these things, Paul departed from Athens came into Corinth. He went to Athens, the capital of Greece, and said, I'm here to tell you about God. The place was full of idols, and they said, we don't want to hear it. And so he found an idol in their courtyard there, said, to the unknown God. And he said, who is this one? He said, we don't know. So I'll tell you who it is. And he preached a great sermon there, and they said, we don't want to hear it. And so he left Athens, next stop, Corinth. Verse 2, and found a certain Jew named Aquila, that's a man, born in Pontus, lately come from Italy with his wife Priscilla. There's the lady, all right, Priscilla. So it's Aquila, the man, and Priscilla, his wife, because that Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome and came unto them. Now we're going to draw a little map, and I'm not a cartographer, all right? But I'll make you understand it, I hope. Uh, you know, we always give the Mediterranean Sea with Jerusalem down here. And we have up here Asia Minor. And uh, then down comes Greece along here. This is Greece. And then over here, of course, is Italy. Italy here. And up here is a place called the Black Sea. Black Sea. And so uh, Aquila is from Pontus, which is right there 
on the Black Sea. And we know that there were a group of Jews who, who went there, and like any population, there used to be a group of Norwegians in New York City. <laughs> All right? When any population moves, they stick together. And the Jews did the same thing, and they moved up to Pontius. There's a group of them up there. They stick together. And one of them from Pontius is Aquila. Aquila and his wife, uh, Priscilla. And they're from Pontius. And they went to Rome. And so they moved from Asia Minor here on the Black Sea over to Rome. I would say that they did it for business purposes. For business purposes. Right, so we start to trace these people. Priscilla and Aquila come from here, come over to Rome, set up in Rome to do business. 54 AD, Claudius is the emperor of Rome. That's when the place was falling apart. They say Nero fiddled while Rome burned. Well, Claudius, uh, Caligula was out of his mind, the third uh, Caesar, and then the fourth one is Claudius, and he's uh, certainly not qualified to lead. Well, he gets mad one day at the Jews, and he said, I want all Jews out of Rome. Everybody out, if you're Jewish. Who knows why he does what he does. <clears throat> and so... Over here in, in uh, Greece is the city of Corinth, the city of Corinth, right? And so it says they left Rome and went to Corinth. And Corinth, Paul comes in and he meets these people, Aquila and Priscilla. And it says he comes to Corinth. Corinth is a major place a business, all right, it is the, probably the, other than Rome, the main place of business, and so I'm sure it's business that brings them here, <coughs> over into Corinth, and well, here's their business, verse 3, and because he was of the same craft, he abode with them and wrought, for by their occupation they were tent makers, and so Aquila and Priscilla and make their money making tents, sewing leather together, various types of leather. I'm sure they made more than tents, uh, but they make tents out of goat skin and other hides, and they are tent makers. <coughs> Paul is a tent maker. There's something to learn, interesting, I think, about that. Every Jew... If you were a Jew and you were growing up, you're going to be educated uh, by the rabbis. They expected you, you know, you say, well, we're going to have an education, so you'll be the cream of the crop. No, no. They expect you to learn a trade. Every Jew had to learn a trade. And the reason why, as they said, if you're Jewish and you don't learn a trade, you're going to be a beggar. So from now, every Jew will learn a trade, and you will never be a beggar. And so Paul, with his education, which is the, like the best available <coughs> at that time, uh, he's got the, 
He's, he's taught by one of the most famous rabbis of all times. He goes to school, educated. He's, he's fluent in Bible history. He's fluent in Hebrew. He's fluent in all kinds of things. And Paul had to learn a trade. So we're not just going to fill your mind with information. You've got work to do. You've got to learn a trade. So Paul learned to make tents as his trade. So when he comes into Corinth, this place of business, um, he meets Aquila and Priscilla, and it says he wrought with them, or he worked for them. He said, hey, I'm a tent maker. And they said, well, that's our business. All right, and they probably went, like I said, to Rome for business, where the world is trading, and driven out of Rome by persecution against the Jews, they go to Corinth, which would be maybe even more of a trade center than Rome. Everything came through Corinth. It's a huge city for the day. Uh, all sorts of business there. And people from everywhere trade in Corinth. Ships come through uh, to Greece, from Egypt, from Israel, out of the Black Sea, Everybody goes to Corinth. Corinth has a reputation for being a very nasty place. Not a nice place. As a matter of fact, if they wanted to say about you, you are a bad apple, that's the term we use, right? That poor fella, he's, he's a bad apple. He's got the devil in him, whatever we th If they wanted to say you were bad, it was what they say. You're Corinthian. That's as bad as you could get to come from Corinth, all right? So Paul goes to that city, meets Aquila and Priscilla, and uh, he says, well, I, I need work. Uh, and Paul never took salary anywhere he preached, and he preached here, there, and everywhere. Nobody ever paid him. They tried, I think, probably. He refused it because he said, I want to make sure wherever I go, nobody can ever say he was a burden. So I won't take pay. I will earn the money I need by uh, my craft, by, by working my craft. Let's go on. Verse 4. He reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. And so he comes into uh, the local synagogue where the Jews meet there, whatever Jews are in Corinth, and he starts preaching and explaining about Christ. All right, verse 7. He departed thence into a certain man's house named Justice, one that worshiped God, whose house joined hard to the synagogue. And so uh, he's preaching in a synagogue. They say, we don't want you. We don't accept your message. He found the guy next door. <laughs> he said, okay, I'll preach next door. And he goes and preaches next door. He stays with Aquila and Priscilla. And so let's go back now and notice. Number one uh, is these two are friends of Paul. They're very good friends, we'll find out. Number two, they are a husband and wife team. They are a team. They work together. Uh, as far as we know, they had no children. None are ever mentioned at all. And uh, 
they were a team that worked together and as a husband and wife team. And in the Lord's work, you can't get any better than that. If your wife is your teammate in the Lord's work, you got it made. That's why I got it made. I got a wife who's my teammate. She works with me, tells me once in a while you shouldn't do that. I listen. I tell her less often you shouldn't do that. <laughs> she's fine. She knows what to do. And uh, she's been supporting in a way that's hard to imagine because we look at the children here who grew up here, got married here, having children here now under her care sometime along the way. And so it's a very important thing. And Quilla and Priscilla are a team working together. And it's a very important thing. And so Paul is living in their house. And uh, he is, uh, verse 11, he continued there a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. So we don't know whether Aquila and Priscilla knew about Jesus. Probably not. Until they got to Corinth and Paul said, I'm looking for work. Yeah, we can use you. And so he starts living with them, working with them. And they became very close friends. And uh, uh, Priscilla is going to learn to run a church. Because Paul is starting the church in Corinth. And she will learn with her husband to run a church. How do you run a church? How do you run a church? She's going to learn how to do that by watching Paul. He's right in their house and doing a lot of serious learning. And that's an important thing to do. Particularly in Corinth. Because if you read Corinthians, you understand we're talking about all these places. Philippi, Philippians, right? Book of Philippians. Thessalonica, book of Thessalonians, one and two. Now we come to Rome. Obviously, Romans is a book. And we come to Corinth. There's Corinthians is a book. We're going to go to the next city. There's another book. And so we're tracing the history as Paul goes from place to place, founding churches, and Priscilla joins with him in Corinth, and they work together on the Corinthian church. It was a tough place to have a church, like we said. It's a sin city of the world. Corinth is like uh, uh, Las Vegas, if you will. A sin city of the world. And they're, they're starting a church. So what do you think? The people come in. What do they? they don't know nothing about church. They are the unchurched. Now, if you start a church with Jews, the Jews have grown up going to synagogue. They've grown up, they know what to do, sit there and behave, sit there and learn, try to sing the songs when they come up, go home and come next week. <laughs> you know, that's what they know. Not every, these people in Corinth got no idea. And so you read 1 Corinthians through, and the place is in chaos. It's unchurched 
people who have no idea what to do, and the church is in chaos. So they have a communion service. This guy brings his own, sits in the corner, and eats all by himself. These poor people here haven't got any. They don't have communion because they don't have any. It's chaos. He says, look, here's what you're going to do from now on. And he gives us the record that we use uh, when we serve communion on how to do it. He says, you're supposed to examine yourself, look inside yourself, and then you partake together. And he tells them how to do it. We still follow his rule that he gave to Corinth, but it was crazy. Uh, a service in Corinth was <laughs> right out of this world. You didn't know what was going to happen. People jumping up and shouting and yelling and screaming all over. And Paul says, we got to get these services under control. It's chaotic. Everybody's got to calm down. I will say you can allow three people to speak, and the ladies need to be quiet. Of course, that phrase got pulled out and has been used for years and years and years, centuries. And women, shut your mouth, you're a woman. Right? That is not what Paul meant. After all, he had Lydia and the prominent women in Thessalonica, and now he's got Priscilla by his side working. I certainly didn't mean that, but what he's trying to do is bring, bring some order into the chaos that was the church in Corinth. So if Priscilla is in Corinth and this place is crazy, she's getting a good lesson. The best lessons I learned were in churches where things went haywire. I was in some of that. <laughs> you know, when things go haywire, you say, oh, wow, what happened? Well, I learned real well, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. All right. And Priscilla learned how to run a church by watching Paul. He's living in her house, and he's running the church in Corinth, straightening it out and getting things going in a proper way. So she has an extra good advantage. All right, now, chapter 18, now, down to verse 24, Acts 18, <coughs> verse 24. And a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man, and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. All right, now, what happens up to verse 18? Paul, after this, tarried there yet a good while, then took his leave of the brethren, sailed into Syria, and with him Priscilla and Aquila, having shorn his head in Syria, for he had a vow. So he says to Priscilla and Aquila, the two of them in Corinth, so I've been here with you for a couple of years. We're now going to go. I'm taking you with me over to Ephesus. That's the book of Ephesians. Written for the church in Ephesus. Now Priscilla and Aquila are over here uh, in, in Ephesus. Priscilla's over here. And so they move uh, from uh, here to Rome to Corinth. Paul's taking them to Ephesus. So they moved again over to another major city in Asia Minor. This one is Ephesus. And uh, there they meet this fellow named Apollos. Apollos. He is Jewish, but he came from Alexandria. That's Egypt. So down here in Egypt, 
It's a city called Alexandria. It is known as the library of the ancient world. Alexandria had the biggest library in early history. They were the ones who first translated the Old Testament into Greek. Of course, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. It was the people in Alexandria who were extremely uh, educated, who took the Bible first and for the first time translated it out of Hebrew into Greek. And this guy comes from there, highly educated, Apollos, verse 25. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in spirit. And he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. So here's this eloquent man. He's eloquent. That is, he knows how to speak. He's been taught how to speak. He's a good speaker. He says he's mighty in the scriptures. Down in Alexandria, he studied that Old Testament until he had it by heart. And he comes to preach up in Ephesus, and uh, he begins to preach. And uh, Priscilla and Aquila are listening. And say, you know, <laughs> he's a smart man. Man, is he talented. He's really got it together. But he doesn't quite have it right. Now these are tent makers. Right? He's kind of messed up. So what shall we do? Verse 26. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue and when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them, expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. So they said, why don't you come for dinner? Okay, good. Uh, we got to have a talk because you're a little bit off. You're a little bit off. It says he had the baptism of John. So he studied the Old Testament down in Alexandria becomes an expert. And he is a very, very good speaker. He's known now across the church as being one of the great preachers of the early church. And Priscilla and her husband say, come on, we got to talk to you. We're going to help you out a little. Your message is just not quite right. Because all he had was the baptism of John. Or in other words, he got up, I was going to preach God's message as John the Baptist preached it, which is repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. So repent. So that's what he's preaching. And he's good preaching. Preaching it really good. But they say, look, we got to tell you something. Of course, you know what they told him. Here's what this Jesus came along. And, and, and they crucified him. And he buried him, and then he rose on the third day. It was unbelievable. And that's the guy. He walked on water. He fed 5,000. He healed all kinds of things. He rose people from the dead. And they fill in the information so that Apollos is brought up to date. So here's a highly educated man taken home by tent makers. We're going to educate you, my friend, a little more what you need. So this is a very good thing. They understand the focus of what Christianity and the Bible is all about. They got the focus. All right? He didn't quite have 
the focus right. He kept saying, repent, repent. We need a little more. What do we need? We need to know that Jesus came and died for that sin and, and, and was buried and rose again. And so they filled in the blanks for him. That's a very noble thing to do, all right, for a guy who's so well-educated and good of him to take it, wasn't it? Good of him to take it. And say, what do you make tents for a living? What do you know? Well, Apostle Paul lived with us for a year and a half. We might have learned something along the way. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? And to be able to say you're friends with the Apostle Paul. Now, let's turn over to 1 Corinthians. A few pages over to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. something about us Aquila and Priscilla. Uh, 16 verse 19. The churches of Asia salute you. Aquila and Priscilla salute you must in the Lord with the church that is in their house. <coughs> when they got to Ephesus <coughs> they started a church, a home church. Started a church in their house. And so as they're writing, he's writing to the church at Corinth to help correct them. He says, uh, our friends over here uh, say hello. And by the way, now they got a church in their house. Uh, that's a wonderful experience. I've had one. <laughs> I had one in my house. There's nothing really quite like it. Uh, mine was not a big house. We had 40 people sometimes. And I don't know how I got them in there to this day. I remember looking up the stairs, and there was a kid on every stair all the way up to the top. And they were just jam-packed in my house. <laughs> and I didn't realize it. My poor old house was groaning. <laughs> I had a little plan one, during one service. I said, to Levi, go in the basement. I showed him there's a breaker. I'm just going to turn the lights off. I said, when I step my foot three times on the floor, I wanted you to turn the breaker off. I want the lights to go off a certain time. So I started preaching, and all of a sudden the lights went off. And I'm thinking, I didn't hit my foot three times. <laughs> so I quietly went over to turn it back on. You know. and afterwards, he came up after the service. I said, what happened? He said, the whole house is creaking, banging three times. He says, everything down there is creaking. Got 40 people on my little living room floor. It's the one where it didn't all just fall down. But there's nothing like it. Uh, uh, it it's, it's a wonderful experience to have a church in your house. Very close relationships are built there. And they come into your home. And here's now Aquila and Priscilla are have opened their home in Ephesus up to a church. And they're running a church there. And uh, it's a great thing for them. Now, uh, so they've come a long way, haven't they? Being pure business people by 
chance? Well, no. God says, I, I sent them there so they could get Paul there and so they could learn how to run a church, which they did in Corinth under Paul's instruction. Now they know the focus. What is running a church? It's all about Jesus. You talk about Jesus all the time. That's the focus of it. Right? And then they're ready to start church right in their own home. And so the church at Ephesus, which we have the book of Ephesians, started in their house. So these, this lady has opened up her house every week. And you open your house every week, and there's <laughs> a lot of work on the missus. A lot of work on the missus, you know, get things ready, making things go. And uh, we were doing everything we could to stretch the walls, and fill in chairs wherever we could, and get everything all ready. And the piano player was tucked in. That was little Vera came and played, all tucked in, and we did it. And it was a wonderful experience. And out of that experience is what came here. We moved the spirit of it over here when Sandy Young said, I see, I know a place that's right up the road, and we came up here. So, uh, okay, so they started their church now in Ephesus, right? They've almost come around all the way back home again, found their church in Ephesus. Now, Romans chapter 16, back to Romans chapter 16. What Paul always does at the end of a letter, he says, say hi to this one, say hi to that one. Uh, I remember when I was there and I talked with this one, and so on and so forth. So he's writing now to the church at Rome. He's writing to the church at Rome. And here he says in Romans 16, last chapter, in verse number 3, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus, who have for my life laid down their own necks, unto whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Now, we know Paul got in trouble everywhere he went. Everywhere he went, there's people trying to kill him, people trying to run him out of town. Uh, they arrested him. They stoned him. They did all kinds of things to the Apostle Paul because he stirred up the Jews. And somebody had to come to his aid. And one of the two, these two, both of them, Priscilla and Aquila, he said, they stuck out their own neck for me to protect me. That's the kind of friendship that says, hey, you know, Paul's going to get run out of Corinth, Corinth on a rail. Well, we're going to make sure he's okay. We're going to do what we have to to protect him. And they stood up and protected the Apostle Paul. It doesn't say exactly what they did, but he said they, they laid down their own necks. Or they said, we'll take the punishment to protect you, Paul. And they supported him when he was a he was a dangerous person to have as your friend. All right, now he's writing to Rome. So, who's in Rome? They left Ephesus and came back to Rome. And they're now in Rome. 
So when he writes to the Church of Rome, they I want you to know you got Priscilla and Aquila there, and they stuck out their neck for me. All right, they were loyal even to the end when it was dangerous. And there's that wonderful friendship. They were loyal to the end because Paul was a dangerous guy to know. A lot of people got whipped because of Paul, beat up because of Paul, imprisoned because of Paul. He's your friend. Hang on to your hat. All right. You want to stick with him? Priscilla said, yeah, we're with you, Paul, no matter what happens. And so uh, they have now gone back to Rome. The reason we know is because the Claudius Caesar died. And so the edict which uh, evicted the Jews from Rome uh, is rescinded, and now Jews can go back to Rome, and so they leave Ephesus to go back to Rome. They used to move for business sake, right? They started uh, from the Black Sea for business, went to Rome, uh, driven out of Rome because they were, he was Jewish, not her. Uh, go back to Corinth for business, meet Pastor Paul. Now, all these trips are God's business. I like that. They're God's business. So now, they move back to Rome, not just for business sake, but for God's business. And they have a church, they open up their house, and they're part of the work in Rome, too, which would become, you know, well, church in Rome, the most famous church in the world, eventually. Church in Rome would become that great place. Now, 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy. Second Timothy, chapter 4. The last book that Paul wrote is 2 Timothy. They had arrested him and uh, took him on a long journey. He appealed to Caesar, which he had the right to do because he was a Roman citizen. And so he appealed to Caesar. They let him in jail for a couple of years, and then they moved him a little farther north for a couple of years. Eventually, he does make it to Rome, and he's sitting in prison in Rome. But because his jailers love him, he's under house arrest. Uh, I don't think a lot of people were, but he was. He was able to have visitors, and we get in these later books. And this is the last one, just before he dies. He's writing this book, Second Timothy, because there's a young preacher named Timothy. And Timothy was raised well. But he's still a very young man, and so he needs help, and he needs instruction. Paul's writing to Timothy about the instruction, people he needs to watch, people he needs to not trust. He's giving him a lot of information. <clears throat> Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 19. Salute Prisca and Aquila of the house of Onesiphorus. All right. There's his two friends. You notice he doesn't say Priscilla. See what it says? Prisca. Prisca. So what happened? Is that the same person? Yeah, it is. 
it would be a nickname. It's a nickname. You know, he's going to call her Priscilla or all you know. Hey, Prisca, how you doing? <laughs> and so he has a short name for her that I'm sure after all they lived together for a couple of years and they, they followed him over to Ephesus. And so he's writing to her and it's likely that uh, she's gone from Rome back to Ephesus again. This lady gets around. Huh? She, she She's starting the Black Sea, to Rome, to Corinth, to Ephesus, back to Rome, now back to Ephesus. And the reason we think she's back there is because Timothy uh, is in Ephesus. He's a new, young preacher in Ephesus. Now, by now, Priscilla is at the end of her life. She's an old lady. Uh, she's an old lady. And he sends her, we think, back there uh, to help this young preacher, to guide her along, to help her along, so that he'll know what to do. And so the last thing about her is that she's faithful right to the end. Right to the end. Faithful to God's work to the end. Last mission she sent on is a young preacher named Timothy. He needs people around him who are stable, who know how to run the church, who are loyal and faithful people, who understand what the focus of a church is, who have lived the church right there in their home. And so you go back there and... There they end up, Priscilla, Prisca, the nickname, my friend Prisca, back there, and you stay faithful right to the end. And they do, and they support Timothy. And so here's a lady who has traveled over uh, the main parts of the world, all right, all through the major cities. Every place where she's been is a place that is recorded in the Bible, Corinth. Uh, Ephesus, Rome, and each case, they are there. Her and her husband are there working together, serving the Lord together. That's when it works best. So she's a prominent lady, all talked about all through uh, the book, books of the end of the Bible that Paul wrote. A dear friend of theirs who stood faithful and true to the end. Remarkable lady. And uh, so when we look back over our list of ladies, we find uh, here's a lady. She didn't raise a family. That's not what God wanted her for. That's what God wanted Jogobed, but not her. Was she thirsty for wisdom like the Queen of Sheba? Yeah, she sat at Paul's feet, no doubt, night after night. And you run into people who are thirsty for that. There was one Bible study I had uh, and I used to go there on Tuesday nights because I always had Tuesday nights as my Bible study night. And I would teach for two hours. I teach here for about an hour, and that's enough, right? Wasn't there. So I would go from seven till nine, I'd teach. Two hours straight. I'd say, well, boy, that ought to have had enough. No, no. And I answered questions from nine till midnight every week every week so i preach i teach there for two hours straight and they it wasn't enough 
And from nine till midnight, they fired questions at me, one after the other, after the other, after the other. They learned a lot in a hurry. They learned a lot in a hurry. And I was just getting ready to shut that down because I used to run Bible studies for a while. And then I'd go, by the time I thought they ought to know enough, which was a year and a half or two years, just like Paul, kind of follow his example. He'd be there for two years, two years in Corinth, two years in Ephesus, he's just three years in Ephesus, and so on and so forth. I followed kind of that example. I teach in somebody's home for two years or so, and I move on. I was getting ready to move on, and they said to me, uh, um, will you pray that we have a baby? I said, yeah, yeah. I said, but you're going to listen to me and see what I got to say about that. So I went through every example of people who wanted children in the Bible that I could think of. And there was, I think, five or six examples. And sometimes the children died and different things happened. I took every possible example I could find. I went there six weeks and just talked to that couple about it, and then we'd stop and pray. And so I said, I'm going to tell them this is the last time. I don't know what more to say. And so on the last time I went, and I gave the last little Bible study just to this couple, and I said, so I'm going to pray. And I said, well, I'm going to tell you something. I don't know what else to tell you, so I'm done. And they said, well, we're going to tell you something, too. She's pregnant. <laughs> and she had two babies after that. And uh, so God is very good, those kind of situations. God is very good. This kind of people that you take into your life, take into your home. And these are the people like Priscilla that did a wonderful job serving the Lord in a very real way. So she's very high in the list of ladies who served the Lord. Close to her husband, never apart, always working together, taking in the Apostle Paul, learning from him what to do and how to operate a church. He takes them to Ephesus. They got a church in their home. Next, they're back in Rome, got another church. Now they're back in Ephesus helping this young preacher, setting him out right. And that's always a necessary thing with a young preacher. It's nice to have somebody you can trust, somebody you can talk to. And that's a good thing. And so uh, he did a wonderful job. He's a very uh, high, uh, good thing. And in my opinion, when I see somebody like this, here's what I always call him. He's a good soldier. He's a good soldier for Jesus. And so our ladies that we studied, a sinner repented, Rahab the harlot, who believed God uh, by herself in a whole city of those who rejected God, the Queen of Sheba, who was wise in her own way, but came searching for more wisdom about God. Jochebed, who in the midst of an impossible situation, raised three wonderful children. And now Priscilla, the good soldier for Jesus. You can always count on her to be there and to be trustworthy. So there's our study on women, three out of the old and one out of the new. And uh, when we come back, we'll have communion after Labor Day.
I think it's the next day, Tuesday after Labor Day. And then we'll start a new series in September. I appreciate you coming and listening, and I hope you learn something useful from it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.